Welcome to the Belonging Project podcast. This is Fiorenza and I'm your host. The purpose of this podcast is to bring voices together to talk about belonging. Through inspiring real-life conversations, we explore how belonging can show up in so many different ways, what it feels like to belong, and the impact of truly belonging. Each episode will offer you inspiration and practical strategies to find your true voice in your life and as a leader. Let's dive in. Hi. Hi, Mehdi. How are you? Hi, Ferranza. I'm great. Thank you. Good to see you. Good to see you too. Thank you so much for being here with me today on the Belonging Project podcast. It's a, it's a real pleasure to have you and to have this conversation with you. Thank you. I, I, I really look forward to it. So um, I, I look forward to us jumping in and you know sharing together and, and, and learning from one another, hopefully. Yeah, I hope so too. That's the plan. That's the plan, at least. <laughs> Great. Um, maybe we can start with um, you telling us a little bit about about you, your journey, whatever you feel like sharing um, sharing with us today. Thank you. I, I'll, I'll try my, my best. It's, it's always odd talking about oneself because it's, I guess it's it's not necessarily something you one is used to. But I am. Um, so I'll, I'll share with um, those listening in that um, we share quite a few things in common because um, I was born and raised in France so um, I am French and don't hold it against me I have no say in the matter it just happened that way and um, so I'm, I'm a very proud native of uh, Lyon um, in France where I grew up and then after graduating I've moved to the UK I had a I had a job back then that's going back quite a few years now and um, I lived in and worked in London for uh, about seven years and then had the opportunity to uh, to move to Australia, where I lived for about uh, just short of three years. Then I moved back to France only to realize that that just did not fit my expectations at the time. Then from there, I had a friend who was starting um, a business in North Africa and asked me to join him. And I thought, why not? And so I joined him and I spent two years working across uh, North Africa, Senegal and other parts of um, Africa then moved back to France and yet again did not find that it was a right fit. So moved back to the UK um, for a few years. And after moving back to the UK in 2015, I moved to the US um, and I, I lived and worked um, in New York with my family for about, um, again, short of three years. And then right after that, moved back to the UK um, and I've been based in the UK ever since. Um, I've been working in the learning industry for um, as long as I can remember. So I actually started in the IT industry, but then moved to the learning industry and absolutely loved it. Still love every minute of it because there's no status quo because you learn so much about um, yourself, about others. Um, and it is about people. So I guess ultimately I'm, I'm very fortunate to work in, in a business that has to do with people. I just love how much you have um, lived in different places on different continents and um, you are back in the UK. How was it to come back to a place that you've known before after living in so many different places? It's it's funny because I often had that conversation uh, and very recently actually I, I was home for the, the holidays and I was discussing with one of my cousins about you know what the future holds and where one would 
move and I, I told him that I'm still very much open to maybe living in another geography I've not had the, the opportunity to live in and and, and it, it's probably driven by two things and, and, I, and I've not um, I'm not trying to dodge your question I will answer your question but <laughs> I think I'm fundamentally very curious um, and I just thoroughly enjoy working and or living and spending time in a new environment where I, I get to learn more about people their culture their food especially I, I love food so I don't know that I'm a foodie but I certainly enjoy food so and um, I, I find that helps but I probably because I was fortunate enough to move into London when I was in my early 20s and then moved back into London in my 40s that has kind of made London my my go-to place uh, it's my home away from in fact I probably have I feel more attached or more anchored in in London than I do in France and it's probably driven by the fact that to a certain extent London is one of those places that is so cosmopolitan and belongs to so many people that you make it your home so it doesn't matter where you come from or, or, or your background and you can still be a Londoner you can still very much be defined by living and working in London so I, I guess as much as I still would love to spend more time traveling and living in you know other countries ultimately London is is home and you have kids as well you have shared in a, a previous conversation we we had were they born in London I can't remember I, it's uh, no and, and yes we had that conversation because it's always very interesting because uh, uh, both my kids were born in France but um, we moved here when they were both very, very young. One of them was only a couple of months old. The other one was about 18 months old. So they were both very young. And and to, it, it, sometimes to my despair, so I'm hoping I'm not going to shock your um, listeners, but I had that um, realization recently. Uh, I um, had, a, not a goal, but I almost had like a, a disappointing um realization that my kids are Brits um, and let me explain how that came about because it's quite funny um, <laughs> we were in France and I, I one of the things I love about moving uh, going back home uh, visiting my family is the food because that's you know so many memories are linked to like you know biscuits and flavors and smells that I grew up with so and um, and I always want to share that with my kids and I think we were buying crisps so something very And my kids just can't do like all the flavors I, I love with like, crisps. They went for salt and vinegar. <laughs> and for them, that's the ultimate when it comes to like flavors. So I, I was rather disappointed telling them, oh, my goodness. Or, or something like Jaffa cakes. My son loves Jaffa cakes. And I tried to him, teach him. We have that thing in France called PIMS. It's a, yeah. Sorry if I'm, I'm doing like brand uh, <laughs> naming here. but And I think this is so much nicer than PIMS because – I think the sponge cake is softer and fluffier and nicer. And I think the flavoring is not as sweet and, you know, more subtle. Nope. Doesn't like them. He loves the Jaffa cakes that you can get here. But um, he would like from McVitie's, but he would not have the, the one we have back home. So it, it's it's funny to see how their, their taste buds have been defined by by our life in the UK somehow. I remember the first the first time I tried Jaffa cakes um, when I when I came to the UK as a as a student I was like oh uh, I was telling my, my my housemate oh so those are pimps they're like pimps no this is not an alcohol 
<laughs> biscuits. <laughs> I know it took me a while because that's when you realize like all those names that we, we give in France. And when you think about it, it makes sense that in France we would call them Pims because Pims being a, a typical English drink, the biscuits probably are derived from the Jaffa cakes. Um, but I just like with the croissant where I love to like tell people croissant is not a French invention. We just improved on an existing um, thing. I think the same thing with the Pims. I think maybe McVitie's in, invented the Jaffa cakes. Then again, I would argue the name, maybe there's a clue in the name Jaffa. You know, I don't believe Jaffa is in the UK, but um, maybe it's because of the orange uh, flavor. And, you know, we just did the, the French version, just making them, at least for French taste, but it's way nicer. <laughs> Um, yeah. So your kids are are Brits then. Um, let's not so... put it. It's the, I said their taste buds are again. It's interesting because we're talking about um, belonging, um, and, and I think it's not a challenge, but it's something that we both as parents would probably have to to deal with with our kids, just like our parents probably had to deal with us because we discussed this. That we both have. My parents are Algerian and, and come from Algeria to, to France, where they met and where I was born. And therefore, defining your identity when you live in a country other than like the native country of where your parents are from is always a bit of a challenge because how do you define oneself? It's it's not a concept. Typically, the, 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 you know, you define someone's identity by their roots, assuming that those roots are in the country where they live. So my kids would, as much as they, you know, they're not, but well, they're actually legally not English because they hold um, French passports, but neither are they French. First of all, because one of them speaks French with a funny accent, um, even though they both speak uh, perfect French and actually way better English than, than I do, but they certainly don't feel that they are French not in a you know in a hundred percent kind of way, but they're not Brits either. And then that makes it even more complicated because if, when they turn to their parents, well, how French am I really? And how can I tell them I'm French when their grandparents aren't French? And I made the decision to leave like the country I was born and raised in. So I, it's it's a very interesting um, challenge for anyone to try and solve that that question of identity when. You don't naturally or you don't feel you should be defined just by your, your place of birth because we, we don't choose where we're born. And being at the intersection of different cultures um, can be a gift, but it can also be challenging and difficult at times. How was it for you growing up and how how did it affect your sense of belonging, if you remember? Um, okay, so we, we we might fall into the um, politically incorrect here, but I'd, I'd rather be very honest. I'd say now in hindsight, I'm grateful. I'm glad because it certainly helped me, you know, grow very thick skin. But I I guess from, from a parenting standpoint, it's tricky because I know how difficult it is. I think, you know, it, it is being human than to want to belong. We need to, you know, to feel that we belong. And typically you want to try and, you know, start with where you live. So the, the, the very community where you are. And I think the challenge, at least for, for me, the it's, there's multiple reasons behind it, but growing up in a, in a big council estate um, with lots of people from different backgrounds 
And and at a time where there was a lot of racism, so I, you know, I've experienced that firsthand on multiple occasions, from you know being arrested without reason to, um, you know, I, I I've had my fair share of really things that would wind someone up properly, and and so for a long, long time, I had a a strong hatred that I couldn't really direct at anyone in particular, particular because it's just it's very hard to try and identify. It, it's so it's probably you turn it to, towards yourself because you don't understand why is it that I'm doing everything I'm being asked to do and yet I'm not being accepted for who I am and you know and and you really it it's a tough one. I, I remember summer holidays when I would go and visit my grandmother in Algeria, I'd be called immigrant by the locals. I would not be seen as one of them because I came from France. But yet again, in France, I would not be allowed in you know nightclubs or student parties or you know, different places because I was, you know, maybe too tanned or, or you know, didn't look the right way or, or didn't come from the, the, the right place. So it, it's very hard for anyone to try and understand, okay, so, you know, where does that put me? Who, why is it? What have I done to deserve that? Um, but at the same time, it, it helps you grow a very thick skin. And at the same time, if that had not happened, maybe I wouldn't have been as keen as I was to look leave as early as I did to try and explore you know elsewhere to try and think okay if I'm not being accepted because I'm seen as an immigrant or whatever that might be and um, I might as well do that by choice and then fully own up to the fact that yeah I'm you know I'm an immigrant I've made the choice to live in a place that is wasn't the place I was born or and raised in so it's tough because I you also need some luck and I had like you know a lot of luck Along the way, I've met, I've met lots of um, wonderful people that helped and guided. And, and so it wasn't all dark. And, you know, I'm not certainly wouldn't want to fall into a Oliver Twist kind of story. But it's a it's a very interesting, especially at this point in time in you know, world politics, that identity crisis where, you know, how does one should define you know, oneself? Um, we literally just before we started that. We were talking about the, the World Cup, and I was telling you that what was very interesting with this year's World Cup, uh, besides so, so many different aspects, but from a almost anthropologic standpoint, it was interesting to see more and more European team where play. Now we could see like players that you know came from different backgrounds reflecting actually those various societies, and not necessarily having like you know possible images of a country that looks just one way and and. To that extent, I, I, I and I promise it's not a, a punt at the, um, the the whole footballing thing, but I'm glad it was Harry Kane who missed the penalty against France when England lost. I think it, I honestly would say on record that I think England was the better team on the day, and I think it's unfair that it's Harry Kane that had to sh- try and go for that penalty. But I'm glad that it's him because if you remember what happened during the Euro, yeah, if it had been like someone like you know. Saka, Rashford, or one of those younger players taking the penalties, again, that would have opened the door for all the bigotry and all the racism that we've already seen during the Euro. So yeah. I enjoy that this World Cup shown a, an image of the different countries as not one-sided as it had been for a long time, with the exception of France. But I think France always had a... And, and again, for the record, France is far from being a country that has... You know, um, there's lots of racism, there's lots of sexism, there's a lot to be said. But from a sporting standpoint, France has always been very good in being able to uh, use 
the very best of what they had within their society to make up their teams and athletes and sports heroes. Um, with that specificity that uh, France has always been very good at, whenever things go well, players are always recognized as that French player. The minute things go south, then we automatically the narrative is around like what's their background you know what island do they come from which former colonies do they come from? which is um symptomatic of you know you know all the issues we 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 need to address perhaps switching a little bit to the workplace and belonging and how it could show up in the workplace you've also worked in different different countries and different um companies as well What have you noticed? Are there any any big things that you've noticed or any learnings from the different places and locations you've 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 worked in in terms of belonging? Um how the corporate culture of course would impact belonging but also the culture in which the company is in. Um any any thoughts or observations on that? Yeah, no, it, so it's, it's very interesting. And uh, I'd say for the record that even though I was fortunate enough to work and live in different countries, it's always been in an Anglo-Saxon environment, which I think from a, from a, a business and management standpoint will differ a lot from working in a French-led organization, for example. And, and I only have the, the one experience. I've, I've had one spell of working in France. I've only worked once in, in my entire career in France for a French company, for a very large truck manufacturer. Uh, I'm not sure going to, to, to mention them, but where the, the culture was drastically different from what I had known before, simply because at least all the environments I had worked with, regardless of the country, people would be always judged first and foremost for their performance. So you belonging to any organization or any group would be always linked first, not uniquely, but linked to your ability to contribute in a constructive way to whatever the, the, the business goals were. And, and that from that standpoint, that makes it very easy, or if not easy, simpler, because it's whenever you, 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 know, you are added to the equation, it's because you're going to help with whatever challenge you have in place. And when I was in France, it was... Uh, It was interesting because it was very, very different because it was more the the work the the work culture of that specific organization was linked to the um the, there's a French expression for that they call it copinage. Mm -hmm. So it, it was linked to like your network your internal networking abilities and your ability at like navigating politics much more than your actual work performance um, and I remember that through me in fact that's the only time ever in my entire career that I've resigned from a job simply because it, it I, I it just it, it wasn't a, a great fit saying that coming back to your question what I found in the different places I've worked in it's and I think it's probably a, a rule of thumb for you know any kind of belonging or it, whenever you want to go into any new environment um, starting from a place of humility and, and almost vulner vulnerability and and not going there thinking that I know it all and I'm going to solve it. And, and so being curious and candid about what you do not know 
I think helps when it comes to like belonging. A because I believe you you appear far less threatening. That's always interesting. It's always good. Um, and B because it also allows you to like better understand the like the, the all the the silent rules that already exist within any group, and for you to fit within that group, for you to be able to understand. Okay. And it doesn't mean you have to change yourself, but if you understand like, the the unsaid rules, then it makes it easier for you to be able to adapt to that environment while hopefully still being you know remaining true to yourself. And and I think that's that's often the the challenge when, when it comes to belonging is you know the the old saying "fake it till you make it." I think that might work for certain things, but not for belonging. I think if you're faking it just for the sake of belonging then you're not belonging i think you, you're fooling yourself more than anyone else so it, it, it's yeah i'd say humility and curiosity and accepting and, and again coming back to like your earlier point fiorenza my growing up helped a great deal because i was always the outcast i was always the one that you know did not belong that would not be the right fit that would not be accepted so as a result you you build that capacity to try and learn and understand better others so that you can fit without having anyone else feeling I don't know threatened or, or, or you know at an ease about who you are. The fitting in versus belonging, I guess, big debate or a big thing. And just how often it can show up, it shows up as we are growing up, but it also shows up again when we are in the corporate space, when we are working. Probably starts from a willingness, especially when we start a new job, that we want to do things well. Uh, probably there's you know a little bit of, oh, we want to impress or we want to make a good first impression. And then how that can lead us to to actually being in the fitting in thing. It's a difficult one. I've worked in two, two different corporate settings. So both in London, one was a French kind of French headquartered company, but the London office. So Yes, the the culture of the, the the office in London was more international, but it was still heavily French based. And the other one was uh, really British, and I didn't realize the impact of the different cultures ahead of me starting in the very British one, and just how much I was adapting, making efforts to kind of understand the different references that were not necessarily matching my one. And there is such a thin line there between kind of your really kind of, you know, be, making all those efforts because you're new, you're the new kid around the block and you just want to, um, you know, get to know your co-workers and 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 get into get a good sense of the 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 culture there versus actually you are you know really fitting in it is such yeah such a fine line personally I would say that when you get like when I get a sense of like saying yes to like oh have you seen this yes or like not being vocal about saying no, I have no idea what you're, you know, uh, talking about, and pretending that you may have heard of it. That is probably like a huge red flag. Like you've been 
too much into the fitting in um land there any any thoughts on that does any of this resonate well i, I would say uh, sadly yes but i, I was going to ask you because I, I know we're talking about the corporate environment but you know if, if you think about it first day in secondary school first day in high school first day at uni typically you're being taken and dropped in an environment where it's new and you still have to fit in and therefore you don't want to to belong and not, you know, look like the the new first year kind of thing, but, you know, be more at ease. So did, did you have that feeling when you went from like the French to all the, the, the British company and and how did your previous even academic experiences help if they helped? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say the only time where... It's been kind of a struggle and I was really, really fitting in was in primary school. And it's crazy because I, you know, kind of remember it. It's not super clear, but I remember, you know, some of the the feelings. So probably something that isn't very common in the UK, but I think it was still kind of happening in France um, in the in the 90s. Um, so... I skipped a class um, in primary school. So I think it would be the equivalent of year four, probably, that I skipped. So that puts you like in, in a class with much older kids versus yeah, your age group. That's right. And that was, I guess, difficult in the, um, you know, with friendships and um feeling that I belonged with that, you know, with that group of kids. Um, the, the academic part, you know, the, uh, that was kind of following the process and, and you know, whatever the, the, the support that I needed was there. And that wasn't an issue, but it was more kind of, I, yeah, I felt kind of singled out or the other kids would single me out, right? Oh, she's the one that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I guess in insight, it wasn't really about the academic, like the kids didn't really care about that. It was more like a fuss was made around it. Like I was introduced as the new kid where actually like if, if, if a kid would move from, a, you know, another city and would get into the, the, the classroom, the, the teachers wouldn't actually introduce that kid in the same way. And so the, Quite a fuss was made about it to actually help me, but I don't think it helped. It really did the contrary. Um, and that year, I was really kind of fitting in and pretending, you know, a lot just to kind of find that sense of belonging there. But did you? Not really. I don't think so. I don't really have like strong, you know, friendship memories for that year. But thankfully, it was the, the last year of primary school. So the next year was a fresh start anyway for everyone. <laughs> so, but, uh, but that's interesting. So do you, you feel, I mean, since it is still very vivid in your memory, that that has helped you maybe build the skills to better adapt to a new environment. And, and you know, fit, I, I don't like saying fitting in because, you know, what does that mean? But at least allow you to feel that you belonged. You feel like you've developed a, a set of skills from then on. So I think that it made me aware that I needed and I wanted to find 
a group of people that I belonged with. And I realized that I wouldn't be, you know, at the time I would just say I wouldn't be friends with everyone. So I wouldn't, you know, belong to any group. But the year after, you know, did I find the right group for me? Probably not. Um, but it, it, it did, it may have actually, this is the first time that I, I'm articulating this. So thank you, Maddie. I think it triggered my search of finding my people. And um, yeah, I have found kind of my people, you know, like in different places. But maybe it made the, the search a quest in some aspects. And find and uh, I I say quest in the sense that you know maybe the bar that I put was too high, uh, and even you know now at times right it is still because <laughs> uh, I was going to ask you that's high. the fascinating thing because yeah. you see anyone that you interview that is in my shoes we typically belong to a very classical mode of working within the corporate environment so especially and we all creatures of habit. So you're within one industry, you stay within the same industry, within the same role, and you just evolve within that role or that industry. And for most of us, that's the case. And therefore, that sense of belonging at a wider scope is easier. We're all humans. And then we're all humans within a continent. And then we're all within the same working industry, within the same, you know, all of those things. And then we can narrow it down to, like, I belong to that team. But you're, you're in, a, in a very different journey because you made the choice of, like, which I totally understand and, and I told you I really admire, of saying, I'm not in something that is fulfilling for me, even though you, you might have felt belonging within the, the, the group you were in, to go and become a coach. And, and by default, being a coach also means that you're not going to necessarily belong in, in the classical sense yeah. to a group team company that defines you i mean it's your own company to a certain extent and then there's the, probably that extended family of the, the coaching world but it, it, it see my day to day i have my own team that i manage and i feel a very strong bond to the team and i'll do everything for my team to feel that they, they belong and and then there's the extended team and then there's the uh, the department and you know within our company and we're very much defined by that base the rules are fair, fairly straightforward. You don't have that. You don't mm-hmm. have that safety net of, because when you go from one job to the other, then it's a, it's a, it's a more drastic cutoff from, I'll go from my team to the extended team, but I'm still within that same environment. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, so yes to all you've said, and the crazy thing is probably I feel that I can be, myself the most since I'm not working for a corporate and you know I am I'm a coach and I have my my own business and I you know I don't mean that in the you know in the sense of I can work the hours that I want and blah 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 I don't mean in that way but really kind of yeah you know I I like something I don't like something I'm I you know whatever I think, whatever, um, maybe it's controversial, I don't know, but I can just, you know, say that and, and um, kind of, you know, move along <laughs> when I find people that um, do not share the same, the same views or ideas or, or, or values. I don't, I don't have to stick with it. Do you see what I mean? I, totally, but I, I'm, I'm, 
at the same time, I'm, I'm thinking to myself that maybe the, the whole question around belonging is maybe we're not asking the right question. Maybe that that whole belonging should start with the self. And, and you would be a good example of that because you don't have to be defined by a team or a company you work for because you're self-employed. And yet that should not prevent you from feeling that sense of belonging. And maybe sense of belonging starts with like, I feel like I belong to like what my calling is versus the team I'm part of the organization or the, the company I work for. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think for me, that's exactly in that order. It is still important for me now and in my work that I really belong to groups. So you mentioned kind of, you know, belonging to the, um, you know, being part of the wider coaching space. Yes. Um, and also I have like smaller groups that uh, I can turn to. I mean, I, I wouldn't, so we define, our, we define ourselves as a mastermind to kind of, you know, um, start with, but now we are friends and colleagues and challenging each other in so different roles, but it really does have um, it, it does kind of foster a sense of belonging a lot. And, um, and it's fascinating because, you know, there's five of us and we are from different, um, paths of life, not living in the same, um, in the same city or country. Um, so that's, yeah, that's quite fascinating, but we are, bro. I mean, our, I guess on paper, uh, common point is the work that we do. And then finding also the right, you know, people to collaborate with um, on, you know, different projects. Of course, you know, the, the, the podcast is an example, right? So the, the, each guest of the podcast is someone that inspires me for different reasons each time. But, you know, there's always that. Uh, and also any kind of project that I, I, I would work on for my, for my work would also have this thing extra, right? If there is someone else there with me that um, could create, foster that sense of belonging. Yeah. yeah I, I think that's fascinating. And, and so if you'll allow me, I want to come back to something that we had discussed when we first met and it's that commonality. But so from your standpoint, because you also share a dual background and then you also decided to like move and live in a country that is not the one you grew up with or that is part of your heritage. So now that um, you have a son, if your son were to ask you, like, what are you? And and I don't mean in a, you know, metaphysical sense and, you know, I, I, we're not going to like Nietzsche or, or anything like that, um, but m- much more, do you define, what do you define yourself as? French, French living in England, French Italian, what, 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 how, what defines you? It's a, it's as you know, it's a very difficult question. Um, I, I do, I, you know, I don't know what I would say. I, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable just saying French and leaving at that for sure, because so many times now I'm catching myself thinking English, which is you know crazy, and uh, being more comfortable in expressing something in English, which is also you know crazy. Yeah, that and and yeah, I do recognize that I on many topics I'm not up to date in how things are done or you know are 
where they're at in France. We were talking just about, we started the recording, the, you know, the whole DNI topic and how it's done in France. Um, I'm not up to date with that, right? So I think, I don't know, it, it makes me feel a little bit of, of an imposter <laughs> saying that, you know, I'm French. And probably the same with saying French Italian. You know, I've always, I've, I've never lived in Italy. Although I know a lot about the Italian culture and the Italian reference, it, 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 it cannot replace growing up, having your formative years in that, in the country or following, you know, the whatever kids or teenager cultural references, right? Um, than you may have when you grew up in a place. So, yeah. So, I mean, things are not completely different, right? I mean, there are a, a lot of things anyway that a French kid and Italian kid would know, but still there are differences. So yeah, it's, um, I don't think I can give a bottom line answer to my son whenever he's going to ask the question, um, but there will certainly be an element of, you know, kind of Londonness. you know, I'm not sure about Britishness, um because i do think that london is so international and the most at least in my experience welcoming in england with um with international people and yeah scotland is different i think yeah probably you know from what i've seen and experience of of scotland that's also very welcoming and yeah it would be a, a nice place to be to be there too um yeah, I mean, the, the all the years, more than a decade in London, I can't just erase that. <laughs> no, you, you can't, but that's, uh, and I, I'm, I'm asking it literally because I'm, both my kids being teenagers, I'm being often challenged on things and I'm being told and asked me, like, but dad, you can't say that, you, you're not that, or we're not that. And we, so, and I'm, I'm finding myself, yeah, very much challenged because I don't, I don't have the answer. I can't, now I'll tell them, you guys are friends. They go, no, we're not. We've never lived there. We only go there to see our grandparents and we speak the language, but it's not because you speak a language that you're part of that culture. Yeah. And it's even further away without their grandparents' culture. Um, and yet there's a bit of all of that that just makes up who they are. So the reality is if you choose to stay in London for the you know the foreseeable future, as much as your son would be Londoner, maybe, I don't know, was he born in England? Yeah. So technically speaking, English, but by being raised by his parents, there would be that French dimension to it. And then, you know, because of his grandparents or your own heritage, there would be that. that. And it's all of that. Now, I, th I think probably, and that's what I have the, the we discussed about, even it, it does happen less it's funny how things work when you're getting older because two things happen i've noticed and, and that's probably my five cents worth of wisdom for the whole podcast <laughs> um it, the first thing is i have far less patience for things that are stupid or make no sense to me so i where once upon a time i try and answer and be polite and avoid now i just dismiss them as in life's too short i just don't no not interested but at the same time because i'm getting older i get less question on silly things like where you know where are you from but yeah but yeah i know you said you're french but where exactly and then you said well I'm, 
you know, I was born in Lyon. Yeah, but you know what I mean? I mean, your what's your background? What? It, so those things, I'm getting less, but they still happen. Now I'm still being questioned. And sometimes you can see people trying to not trade carefully, but at the same time, they, they probably that makes them even more clumsy on the approach by by questioning you on that. And, and maybe ultimately, I'll, I'd like to think that we'll get to a stage where, at least for our kids' sake, that you'll just be taken at face value. It doesn't really matter where you were born and where your parents are from and, you know, what other languages. Yeah. And then maybe it's very, you know, maybe I'm this utopian of me or, and, and I, I don't, but I'd like to think if that can save them a lot of the hassle and heartache that one has to go through, try and just justify who you are, just that you can be valued or, or sometimes how people just react to you, you know, certain things you might say or do and all of a sudden you're being seen completely different. And it's, I think for younger people, that can be more damaging and more hurting. And I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't wish it on my kids or or anyone else for that matter that, you know, all of a sudden they go from being appreciated to being seen differently just because they don't eat this or they don't. And I think when it comes to belonging, that's another thing as well, where it's maybe we should stick more to the basics, you know, yeah. with people, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. And, and it, 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 so as a side note, it's funny because, once upon a time, I've contemplated, um, I don't think it ever happened, but there was a group that was trying to create a um, a citizenship that essentially makes you just a world citizen. I did contemplate just having a passport that would make me essentially a world citizen where I've got no allegiance to any specific nation or you know, politics. But again, that's, I think that's the... Um, the, 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 the the dreamer in me that just has those ideal. One question that I wanted to to ask you is, what are the factors that, or the elements that you need to to see or to have in any given situation um, to feel that you belong? Well, I, I think it's it's two things. It, it's on one hand, not sure being not being afraid of being a bit more vulnerable, and being able to accept that, yeah, I've got weaknesses. It's funny because we talk about being vulnerable, but I think that's being super strong and super brave, just to be able to just put it out there and say that's my limits. But I think that helps a great deal. I think that it's almost like a um, a peace offering, if you will, to like any group when it comes to belonging, because. It's far less threatening for the other side. But then the other thing is maybe selfishness. And not selfishness in the, in the, in the sense of it's me, myself, and I, but just being able to accept that, you know, I should be fully content with who I am and not necessarily have to be accepted and embraced by everyone to be able to feel I belong. You know, ultimately... We belong, you breathe the same air as everyone else. So you should be able to feel that you, you belong. And, and and again, I, I know it's, we borderline in the idealistic, but I I think your example is a great example. I think it's, you know, if you start by just accepting you for who you are, that's a, that's a big step towards belonging. Because the risk otherwise is that you can only be defined by the others 
and the group. And then almost, you, you, and therefore you're denying your being because you're thinking, I'm not being accepted. And the, the reality is the larger the group, the larger, the more complex the environment, the harder it would be to feel 100% acceptance and belonging just because nature of the beast. You know, it's easier to like, belong to a team of two people than it is to like, a group of like, 5,000. It's, it's just the way it is. You know, I I have to be able to just accept who I am and accept that I'm not going to, you know, I can be part of a group where I don't, I don't, I, for example, politically, I know that there's a lot of my colleagues I strongly disagree with, but that's the beauty of it. That's what I like about it. That's a lot. It, it's, I want to be in an environment where not, everything and everyone sees the same way, see the same format. It's, and I, I, just as a side note, but we had that very conversation, uh, Fiorenza, about that weird concept that is quite unique to France of um, integration, where essentially in order to belong, you have to be in total denial of everything else that is not what defines the, the consensus within what makes you French in that case. Mm. Um, and and for me that that's 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 wrong. That's not the right approach to anything. I think you know it, it, for anyone to belong, there should be room allowed for those people to be different because from that diversity that you get a much better group. But you can still belong. We don't have to agree on everything to belong. Yeah, we have to agree on some key things. But you should still be entitled to like your own preferences and your own beliefs and your. There's a there's a, an old TV show called. It called the fourth or the fifth that I mentioned. I can't remember. It was a black and white TV show, and I remember one specific episode is that 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 guy that was upset at people, and then he makes that stupid wish. Like he says, "I wish everyone was like me," and then he wakes up the next day and like, everyone is like him and thinks like him, and it turns out to be the worst nightmare ever because that's not that that's not what you you'd want. So I think to to belong, you have to accept that it's not about thinking and dressing and doing everything the same as the others it's also keeping your own individuality being able to accept that not we're not going to agree on everything yeah i love that thank you so much Maddie, and thank, thank you for you. being such an amazing guest and actually helping me articulate some of my stuff as well so uh, <laughs> thank you thank that. you thank no thank you for 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 sharing thank you for teaching i, I think it's i I, that's what, what I love about your podcast is that I think you've you've been very good at just putting me and other guests at ease that we can just open up and just be very true to ourselves and just say things as you know as we feel them and I, I think that allows for a deeper and far more constructive conversation and from listener standpoint at least for me listening to our previous episodes it also helped me better reflect and accept you know that I, I'm far from knowing it all and, and from understanding everything. And and self-reflection is, a, is not an easy thing, but a, a very important one. And I think that helps trigger those thoughts and those questions um, in, in people. So thank you for that. You can follow the podcast on LinkedIn at The Belonging Project Podcast. You can also hit subscribe and stay up to date with our episodes. And do feel free to get in touch with me on coaching at fiorenzalucini.com. Thank you again and see you next time.